Welcome to Present Truth Broadcast with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga, brought to you by Present Truth Ministry, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. Hallelujah. Praise God. Okay. Let's get into the word. We started on the biblical roles of the fivefold ministry. We started on biblical roles of fivefold ministry. And we were able to establish on Sunday that no man can call you into ministry. People can recognize, people can affirm, but only God can call one into ministry. And some of the verses that we looked at, we looked at Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1. Paul says, I am uh, an apostle after the will of God. So we looked at the emphasis on the will of God. We looked at Colossians chapter 1 and verse 1. We looked at 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 1. There's a very interesting story I want us to read in 1 Kings chapter 12, and then we'll progress. I'd like you to be... Um, a bit fast with me tonight. I need to cover a couple of things. First Kings chapter 12. I just want to read a story that um, somehow in today's world depicts what we are experiencing. In First Kings chapter 12 and verse 26, the Bible says, And Jeroboam said in his heart, look at this, Jeroboam said in his heart, Now the kingdom may return to David, to the house of David. Jeroboam said, now the kingdom may return to the house of David. If these people go up to offer sacrifices in the house of the Lord at Jerusalem, then the heart of these people will turn back to their Lord. Um, Rehoboam, king of Judah, and they will kill me and go back to Rehoboam, king of Judah. Therefore, look at this, the king asked advice. Therefore, the king asked advice made two calves of gold and said to the people it is too much for you to go up to jerusalem here are your gods O israel which brought you up from the land of egypt and he set up one in bethel and the other he put in dan now this thing became a scene for the people went to worship before the one as far as dan he made shrines on the high places verse 31 note this he made shrines on the high places and made priests from every class of people who were not of the sons of Levi. This is very, very interesting. The Bible says that Jeroboam, because he didn't want the people to go so far, he began to ordain priests from every class. Whilst in the Old Testament, the Lord had specifically said that only the Levites can become priests. Only the Levite, only you can only have priests from the Levitical priesthood. But the king says, Oh no, people, I don't want people to go too far. I don't want people to go. If they go, this will happen. If they go, this will happen. Okay, now he began to ordain priests from every class of people. And funny enough, sometimes we find this in Christendom today because sometimes we want to spread our denominations, we want to make sure we have branches everywhere. What do we do? Like Jeroboam, we pick every kind of person and quickly ordain them. Look at the word. The Bible says in verse 31, he made priests from every class of people. 
But if you go to the book of Hebrews, the scripture says that no man taketh this honor unto himself, but the Lord who calls. Hebrews chapter 5. Go to Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 5. And I said very importantly, now no matter how zealous you are, if the Lord has not called you, a man cannot call you. And that is very, 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 very important. Hebrews chapter what? Chapter 5. Verse 4 to 5. Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 4 to 5. And no man takes this honor to himself, but he who is called by God, just as Aaron was. So also Christ did not glorify himself to become high priest, but it was he who said to him, You are my son, today I have begotten you. The scriptures is even talking about Jesus, that Jesus himself did not decide to become a high priest. The Lord had to make him one. You know, so what we find out today, now we are all priests of the Most High God. Are, are you following that? We are priests of God. But not everyone is called to function in the fivefold ministry. Now, that doesn't mean you cannot preach. You can preach. But the ability to preach doesn't mean that you have been called to ministry. Your zeal is not equal to a calling. And that is very important because we read in Acts chapter 13 that the Lord said to them, separate unto me Paul and Barnabas for the work that I have sent them. Right? We read that on Sunday. And then they laid hands on them. So, they didn't lay hands on them and the Lord called them. The Lord called them and they lay hands on them. So, regardless of the person who ordains you into ministry, you must first of all be ordained of the Lord. Jeremiah said, I have, uh, God said to Jeremiah, I have ordained you as a prophet to the nations. So it is important that when we talk about the biblical role of fivefold ministry, we're talking about those that the Lord had separated unto the cause of equipping the saints. We are all priests, but not all of us function in the fivefold. Because the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11, let's go there. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 11, it says... We're going to read now from verse, um, I want to look at the word there, the Duma of God, that's the gift of God. Ephesians chapter 4, and let's look at verse um, 7. But to, teach, but to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of the Christ gift. The Christ gift, that word gift there is the word Duma, it it's, it's signifies presence. You, you find it used in Matthew chapter 7 verse 11 and Luke chapter 11 verse 13. That according to the measure of Christ's gift, he gave gifts unto men. Okay. Okay, let's, bu let's build on now. V verse, uh, go to verse 11. And he himself, we did emphasize this, that the word himself means that he is the one giving what? The gift. These things are very important. We must not misplace them. You, you must understand this, that the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is a spiritual entity. It's a spiritual entity. We cannot decide that this is the way it should go. We cannot say, oh, it's the 21st century. We think the church should be this way. No. There is a way that it has been uh, designed already. There is a way that it has been uh, built and we cannot alter it for any reason. And that's what we're trying to do. That's why we said biblical roles of fivefold ministers. Biblical roles. The roles assigned to them by scriptures, not by people. 
not by needs by scriptures okay so Ephesians 4 11 and he himself gave some to be apostles some prophets some evangelists some pastors and teachers now I said on Sunday I'll re-emphasize again that some people say well it's fourfold because it says pastors and teachers well the Greek word used there it's actually a plural word and uh, it's almost like when you say uh, a mathematics subset right so you can have uh, you have pastors who are teachers pa a pastor should be able to teach but not every teacher is a pastor D do you follow that now every pastor should be able to teach let's look at that everyone who leads who pastors should be able to teach first timothy 3 2 quickly first timothy 3 2 but not every teacher is a pa is um, necessarily serving as a pastor first timothy chapter 3 verse 2 a bishop then must be blameless the word bishop there is not an ecclesiastical title it's not uh, to say that you're a bishop doesn't mean that you are wearing a, a long gown a cape um with a, a a shepherd rod in your hand the word bishop there is the word episcopos it means an overseer it's the word to oversee okay so a bishop they must be blameless the husband of one wife temperate super-minded of good behavior hospitable able to teach able to teach that means you cannot say uh well i'm a bishop but i don't know how to teach no one of the first signs that you are a biblical bishop should be the ability to teach okay you can find that again in titus chapter 1 and verse 9 titus chapter 1 and verse 9 Every time I read this title, sardine comes to my mind. I don't know why. <laughs> it came to your mind, right? Okay. We have the same mind. Titus chapter 1 verse 9. And sardine is not the Greek word of Titus. Okay? That's something different. Okay. Uh, holding fast the faithful word as he has been taught that he may, able, he may be able by sound doctrine both to exalt and convince those who contradict. He must be able to teach as he has been taught. So the pastor must be able to teach. So we are pastors and teachers. Some Greek translations uses the word pastors hyphen teacher. So um, I think, for instance, if you look at the back of Pastor Banky's books, you'll see that pastor teacher of kingdom world ministries. If you look at the back of my book, you also find I refer to myself as pastor teacher. Now, there are pastors who teach. Every pastor should be able to teach. But not every teacher is a pastor. So you have, for instance, Bible teachers who were not necessarily pastors of churches. I'll give you an example. Like Kennedy again, uh, pastored for a while, and after he went into full teaching ministry. Andrew Womack is a full Bible teacher, but he's not a pastor over a local church. I don't know if you, if you understand what I'm saying. Do you get that? Okay every pastor should be able to teach but not every teacher will necessarily do what pastor a local church okay now why were all these gifts given go back to ephesians chapter 4 verse 17. we will read a lot of scriptures and it's important ephesians chapter 4 sorry verse 11 and he, he himself gave some to be apostles some prophets some evangelists some pastors and teachers now the word some means that not everybody not everyone is occupying this position for we're anchoring on verse 12 today so pay attention for the equipping 
of the saints for the work of ministry. You find comma there in the New King James. For the edifying of the body of Christ. Now, if you read this from other translations, there's a way it is um, rendered in the New English translation, the NET. This is the way it reads. To equip the saints for the work of ministry, that is to build up the body of Christ. The New American Standard Version puts it this way. Um, verse 12. For the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ. I cannot like that. It says, for the equipping of the saints for the work of service. The word service here is also the word ministry used in the New King James. To the building up of the body of Christ. Now, I want to use another translation. Uh, the English Standard Version. The English Standard Version. To equip the saints for the work of ministry. For building up the body of Christ. For building up the body of Christ. Now, that word building up is the same word edify in the Greek. The same word. Building and edify. We're going to find that as we read along. So, just follow me. Uh, I want to use one more translation. One more translation. Uh, I'll see the way more New Testament. See what it says here. In order... To fully equip his people for the work of serving, dash, for the building up of Christ's body. So, now when you read this, uh, depending on how you read it. If you read it in certain translations, it looks like two things, right? To equip the saints and then to edify the body of Christ. That's the way you can read it, especially if you read it from the New King James Version because there's a comma there for the edifying of the body of Christ. But if you read it from these other translations like the New American Standard Version, um, the New American Standard Version, the ESV and all those translations that we read, you find out it says for the edifying, um, for the equipping of the saints for the work of service for the building up of the body of Christ. What that means in that, if you read it as a whole sentence, it means that as the saints have been built up for the work of ministry, that work of ministry that they are involved in edify or builds up the body of Christ. So whatever way you look at it, it is correct. Because as we mature the saints, then the saints now do what? Edify and builds up one another. Remember that in verse um, 4, he says there is one body. So, the truth of the matter is that some people say, oh, why has the body of Christ been like this? And they want to lay all the blames on the pastor. But, well, you can put the blame, some of the blame on the pastor. But you should also know that you have been equipped because you are a vital part of building up the body. The body needs to be built up. And one man can, I cannot build up the body of Christ. I can equip the saints. And as the saints get involved, what happens? They build up one another. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 12. I just want to read the, the, the amplified version. I like the amplified version. His intention was the perfecting and the full equipping of the saints. His consecrated people. That they should do the work of ministering towards building up Christ's body. 
So I kind of like the way the Amplified Version puts it. It puts it in a way that you can understand. It says that God's intention was the perfecting and the full equipping okay, of the saints that they should do the work of ministering towards building up Christ's body. Now, if you read it from the Amplified Version, who does the work of building up the body of Christ? The pastors or the saints? The saints. So, I gave them an example in the Finima church. This is what ought to happen in our services. Maybe I'm leading the worship and I'm just praying before the Lord and I feel in my heart that the Lord wants to heal people, right? This is what should happen in our service. As if, I say, well, I sense that the healing presence of God is here and God wants to heal people. And I say, well, if there's any sick person on your role, well, you just stretch your hands and pray for them and let's believe God for them to be healed. That's how a normal healing meeting should look like. Why? Because I have equipped you with the knowledge that through you, the sick can be healed. So what happens? You begin to minister to one another. The Bible says if you have a psalm, if you have a hymn, whatever you have, when you come, learn to minister to one another. And this is important. That the role, the biblical function that God is giving to the fivefold ministers is that they equip the saints. They build the saints. And you know, sometimes people say, well, I, I'm a deliverance minister. I'm a prosperity minister. You know, my own is faith. And I said that this happened when people began to come with specializations in the body of Christ. You know, then they used to say, I, I had a problem also when I was growing up in ministry. Then they'll say, when you say Michael Jordan, what comes to your mind? Basketball. You say Ronaldo, what comes to your mind? Uh, uh, what? Football. You say... Uh, Serena Williams, what comes to your mind? Long tennis. They say, ah, when you say your name, what comes to your mind? You know? And they say, when you say Kumui, what comes to your mind? Holiness. When you say this. So even as young preachers, we began to struggle what comes to our mind. But I, as I grew up, I didn't, I, I, didn't, I didn't quite see that in the scriptures. Paul says, I have not failed to declare to you the whole counsel of God. You cannot say, now, certain people might emphasize certain truths more than the others. But that doesn't mean that's what they have been called to preach. This is very important. I know it can be a controversial statement, but it's very important. Because let me explain this to you. When a man comes and says, this is what I have been called to preach, he reads the Bible from that lens. If I come and say, I'm a prosperity preacher. Even when I see where the scripture says, you shall enjoy hardness as a good soldier. We say, well, that hardness is not hardness like going through stuff. You know, it is, it is hardness that... I'll, I'll try to explain that away because it doesn't fit the lens of what I preach. If I say, for instance, you know, people say, for instance, uh, you know, holiness preacher. And your concept of holiness is the fact that you wear long shirts, you, you know, and all that. If you see the place where the scripture refers to the saints as saints, it will be difficult for you to teach that because it doesn't fit your concept of holiness. So we cannot come to the scriptures and say, this is what uh, the Lord has called me to preach. The Lord has called us to preach only one message, and that is the gospel of the kingdom of God in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. That's the gospel. Are, are you following what I'm saying? Come on, are you with me tonight? 
it's very important it's very important because if we do that what is going to happen is we are going to now people say that now and this people must be careful because when we follow people sometimes we don't follow them totally you know somebody says for instance kenneth hagen he will say well kenneth hagen the lord said to kenneth hagen go teach my people faith and well kenneth hagen was a faith preacher <clears throat> Well, when people say that, I laugh a lot because Kenneth Hagin is one of the finest theologians that we have. He had very good teachings on prayers. He had very good teachings on working in love. He had very good teachings on the new creation. But you know why? People emphasize so much of the faith because that was the easy part to get whatever they wanted. Are you following what I'm saying? So, we cannot say that the fivefold has been given a specific message because at that we might not be able to determine what um what this man is preaching but from the scriptures we can know the purpose of the fivefold now let's go to verse um 13. <clears throat> for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry for the edifying of the body of christ the word equip it means catatismo catatismo means to repair to mend to bring into complete furnishing to prepare or to instruct now you can find it in matthew chapter 4 verse 21 put up matthew 4 21 for me i want to show you something there but i really want to emphasize building up but let's go to this to equip to prepare to mend to restore you can find its rendering in two, two places, but I want to show you where it is used. Matthew 4 21. Matthew chapter 4, verse 21. I was talking about the mending of the nets. Matthew 4 21. It says, Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James the son of Zebedee, and John his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. He called them. The word mending there is the same Greek word, katatizo. It means to repair. And that word, listen carefully now, why I brought this illustration. It is mending of the net in such a way that it can, it can now be used as if it was never broken. Do, do you get what I'm saying? So, it's like they bring out the nets, they sew it back. They don't sew it back and say, well, this net is not perfect. We can't use it again. No. They sew it back so they can put it back into the sea for fishing. So, what the Lord calls the fivefold ministry to do is to look into God's people, build them up, teach them so they can be available for ministry. And that is why a New Testament minister must not have the ministry of condemnation because we cannot condemn and build people up at the same time now it is used in another place the word caradizo is used in another place galatians chapter 6 and verse 1. if everything is not making sense just get the city and listen to it again <laughs> galatians chapter 6 and verse 1. i'll show you something there now now brethren if a man is overtaken in any trespass 
you who are spiritual restore the word restore there is the same word used as equip katatizo restore such a one in the spirit of gentleness considering yourself lest you also be tempted so when we talk about restoration we're talking about bringing the person to the position that he was before he fell and so that's the work of the fivefold ministers. They ought to equip, they ought to mend, they ought to instruct the body of Christ and bring them into a place of maturity. It, they ought to bring them into a place where they can be fully functional in the hands of God. They are not to build people who are dependent on them. And I'm going to make a statement here. I know it will offend some people who are listening to this. But I don't think that you raise people who pray to God in your name. Let's say for instance, so somebody wants to pray and says, oh, when this was happening, I prayed to the God of my father and he mentions the name of his pastor. And somebody says, it is working. No, the proof of truth is not whether something is working. The proof of truth is truth. Why? Because even when Jesus resurrected at the resurrection and Mary saw him, you, what did he tell Mary? He says, I am going, he said, do not touch me. I am ascending to what? I'm ascending to what? Okay, I'm saying I'm ascending to heaven. To what? To, come on, you got to read the Bible, man. To what? To your father and what? My father. That was Jesus talking to Mary. He didn't say, I'm going to my father. He says, no. I'm going to your father and my father. What Jesus was saying is that we now have equal rights to God. Not through our commission. Not through our pastors. Our pastors should teach us that you now have access to God. That's the gospel. If we will stay with what the scriptures is teaching, we will reduce idolatry to its barest minimum. Now look at this. When he was teaching that what people call the Lord's Prayer, but that's not the Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer is in John chapter 14, 15, 16, 17. You find the Lord's Prayer there. What you find there is Jesus teaching the disciples how to pray. What did he say? What's the beginning of what you call the Lord's Prayer? What's the beginning of that? Our what? father even at that state jesus did not say pray to so do you understand what i'm saying that's what a fivefold minister should do what should a fivefold minister do equip you to the point of maturity and now the bible says for the edifying of the body of christ the word edify is okodomai and it's used in several passages of the scripture so i want us to run through it i want us to run through it the word it's O-I-K-O-D-O-M-E. It means an architecture. It means to build up. It means to edify. Let's look at several places where it is used in the scripture. Funny enough, it's used in Matthew chapter 24 verse 1 when it was referring to a physical building. Matthew 24 and verse 1. Are you still here? Okay. Matthew 24 verse 1. It's Bible study, so let's read the Bible. Matthew 24 verse 1. Then Jesus went out and departed from the temple and his disciples came up to show him the building of the temple. The word building there is the same word used as edify. Building. It's a large building. In um, Mark chapter 1 verse 3, you find it there. But let's go to 
the ones that apply to us. Go to Romans chapter 14, verse 19. I want to run through about six scriptures where it is used. Romans chapter 14, verse 19. Romans 14, 19. Look at this. Therefore, let us pursue the things which make for peace and the things by which one may edify another. So you see there that the role of edification was placed within the context of the body. It says, let us pursue the things which make for peace and the things by which one may edify another. What did we say the word edify means? To build up. So what is the scripture saying? It says, we must come to the place where we do what? We build up one another. Okay. Romans uh, 15 verse 2. Romans 15 verse 2. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good, leading to edification. Let each of one please his neighbor for his good, leading to edification, leading to building up. So you see that our actions will lead to the building up of the body of Christ. What I do to you will either build you, will either edify you, or will destroy you. Let's go to... 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9. And Paul uses it a lot in 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 3, 9. So what I did in my Bible, I went through the New Testament and underlined, I have a yellow marker, so I underlined the places where the word edify was used, building was used, and it's very good. You enjoy that exercise. 1 Corinthians 3, 9. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. The same Greek word used there. You are God's building. 1 Corinthians 14, Verse 3. First Corinthians 14, verse 3. But he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. So one of the signs of knowing a genuine prophecy does it builds up. You know, someone will say, well, the Lord can give you a prophecy that will shake you to your bones. The Lord can warn you terribly. But I told them that you find out that every time in the Old Testament, the Lord released those kinds of prophecies. What usually ends that? He will say, but if you repent. Yeah? Come on. He said, but if you repent, I will restore. Uh, do you follow what I'm saying? God always ended those prophetic warnings with a window of repentance that brings restoration. So we cannot say that a man is a genuine prophet because he prophesied that the plane was going to crash and 200 people died and now we say, well, that man is a man of God. He prophesied that the plane was going to crash and actually the plane crashed and 200 people died. What happened to your compassion? You would not consider that man a genuine prophet if you had a family member on that plane. It's because you don't know anybody there. God will not use the destruction of souls for the validation of his call. God says, I've come that I might bring life and life more abundantly. So even when the Lord shows you that the plane is going to crash, he's, he's trusting you to stand in the place of intercession and prevent that. And that's when I know that, hey, come on. You're a prophet of God. Are you following what I'm saying? Okay. First Corinthians chapter 14 verse 5. Read verse 5. Okay. 
You can also see verse 4, but he who speaks in a tongue in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church, edifying, building up the church, building up the church. First Corinthians 14, 12. Even so, you, since you are zealous for spiritual gift, let it be for the edification of the church that you seek to excel. I like this one. He says, You are seeking for spiritual gift, you want to manifest, you want to walk in power, you want to prophesy. Let it be for the purpose of building up the church. We're not just exercising gifts to show how gifted we are. We're not just exercising gifts to show how powerful we are. We're not just exercising gifts to show how, uh, how much of work we have with God. We're exercising gifts for what? For the edification of the church. Praise the name of the Lord. Are you still here? First Corinthians, we've read chapter 14, we've read 5, we've read 12. Let's go to verse 26. Verse 26. How is it then, brethren, that whenever you come together, each one of you has a psalm, so someone has a psalm, someone has a teaching, someone has a tongue, someone has a revelation, someone has an interpretation, let all things be done for edification. So, can I say this now? If, if for instance, my sister comes to me and says, hey, pastor, I had this dream, and I interpret the dream to her accurately, you know what I've done? I have just edified her. I've built her up. Are you following what I'm saying? And that's what is supposed to happen within the Christian community. We're supposed to build up one another. So our sister is going through some stuff. We go to the house. We just spend time. Have you ever experienced that? I don't know if we do that anymore. We're, we're all sometimes so closed up right now. But have you ever gone to your brother's house? Probably it happened a lot more in campuses. When you go to your brother's house, you just end up, you know, just singing a worship song. And before you know, you just spend one hour just worshiping the Lord. Nothing. Um, how do I call it now? Not like there was an agenda. But you know, you just leave that place refreshed. You just leave that place, you know, just filled. You know, there are certain times we should just come to service and just worship before the Lord and minister to one another. You know, but sometimes because of, again, the way we have been taught, in the place of prayer, everybody is a suspect. You don't know who is after you. You don't know who will kill you. You know, it's difficult, you know, to reach out to people. You, are, you don't want to talk to this person. You feel this person has one spirit. And when we come to the church instead of opening up ourselves to be edified and to be reached out and to just fellowship with one another we're quick to hear the message quick to hear the offering quick to go home just run out because we don't want to interact with people because oh we don't want people to look down on us this person is not my class that person is not my class sometimes some of you even come to church and uh, you have all kinds of burden in your heart and uh, and a sister no, a sister has so much joy coming from the house, just wanting to worship the Lord, wanting to exalt the Lord. And she comes in and she sees you sad. And the sister approaches you just to share with you. You're too sad to be approached. And you know what? You just missed the point of edification. Because this sister has so much joy, she can just share with you, she can just love on you, and before you know, that source of concern is taken out. But you know what? You know, oh, well, it's my problem. I will solve it. Nobody cares. And we carry all our burdens instead of allowing ourselves to be ministered to one another. That's why, um, I'll say this here. I want to say it publicly so we can go to all the people who are listening. That's why one of the things I think that we should be very careful about in the body of Christ is those who minister to us in music. Okay? I, I, I say this, and I tell the music guys, if I have my way as a pastor, I'll, I'll not have a church choir. And the reason is because 
because of the way we've been raised in choir, they, they deal with too much of petty issues. You know, you come for a hazard, this one doesn't sing well, this one is getting angry, this one is... Uh, and sometimes, too many things, right? Just have one, two, three people who know why they should be up here. Because there are people who come to church and they're just burdened by the Lord. Sorry, burdened by issues. And all you need to do is to just sing a song. It happened in the Finima Church on, on Tuesday. Those of you who were with us in Finima Church. We just ended up just worshiping the Lord. We worshiped for like 20, 30 minutes. I could only teach for 15 minutes. And you could just sense that the, the presence of God was there. But you know what we're concerned about sometimes if we inquire? We're concerned about who is on key, who didn't show up, uh, did I perform well? And we let the needs of people go unmet just because we want to be celebrities. The Lord has never called any gospel musician to be a celebrity. He's called them to lead his people in worship. If that makes you famous, God bless you. But if we're not careful, we'll make it look like... Uh, this is just a performance. No, it's not a performance. It is for what? For the edification of the body of Christ. Meaning that if I hold the mic and I'm leading prayers, what am I doing? What am I doing if I'm leading prayers here? I'm doing what? Come on, talk to me. What am I doing? I'm edifying you. Are you following what I'm saying? So I cannot just lead prayer because pastor said I should lead prayer. Oh yeah, you people should stand up. Oh yeah, let's pray. No. Because have you ever gone to a church meeting and as they were leading the prayers, you felt the bodies in your heart just lifted. You just knew that, oh, this person was really ready to pray. Or you've got, gone there and they just sing. I remember something happened someday. Uh, uh, somebody was leading the worship. And I was just enjoying the worship. And the Lord was speaking to my heart. I don't know what happened. And the person just switched to another song. And it was like everywhere just went dry. And I told myself, if this person was sensitive to the spirit, they would stay on that song. But you know what? Oh, it's 10 minutes. I have to finish all my songs. So what happens? They now move from the realm of the spirit and just begin to do stuff. It's the same thing with the minister of the gospel. When a minister of the gospel is teaching, there are certain times the Lord leads him to emphasize a certain point. And what, what is God wanting to accomplish with that? God wants to build someone with that. God wants to edify someone. So he says, let all things, how many things? I didn't hear that. How many things? When you lead your prayer, is it part of all things? When you sing, is it part of all things? When you usher, is it part of all things? When you teach the children, is it part of all things? What should be our, motiva our motivation? All things be done for what? Edification. That means whatever I am doing in the church should build up the body of Christ. Hey, come on. How many of you know that will change the way we do our things? So as a pastor, what is my motivation for teaching you? Edification. To build you up. And not to impress you. And to do what? To build you up. Okay. Where's that time? Okay. Uh, where am I? Now the choir talk took a lot of my time. Eh? Second Corinthians chapter... Let's go to Second Corinthians. I don't know why I said that. If you are in the choir, please, no offense. Okay, just, just building you up. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 8. Let's do this now. Mm, mm. Let's see Corinthians chapter 10 verse 8. For even if I should boast somewhat more about our authority which the Lord gave us for edification and not for your destruction. 
I shall not be ashamed. He said, the authority God has given to us is to edify you. No minister has the authority to destroy the body. It is to do what? To edify the body. Let's read quickly, saints. Verse 19. 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 19. Again, do you think that we excuse ourselves for you? We speak before God in Christ, but we do all things beloved for your edification we do all things for your edification a minister must do everything for the edification of the body of christ including how he raises money if listen to me listen to me very carefully if something would bring a reproach to the body a minister should not be involved in it because whatever he does should be for what for the edification of the body of christ now let's go on. Second Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 10. Can you see how many times Paul uses the word edification? Second Corinthians 13, verse 10. Therefore, I write these things, being absent, less being present. I should use sharpness according to the authority which the Lord has given me for edification and not for destruction. So every time Paul talks about his edification, always mark something, mark something Paul says. The authority the Lord has done what? Given me what authority is he talking about there? Ephesians 4:11. He gave some to be apostles. So within the calling comes the authority. Within this authority cannot be conferred on you by your church or your denomination. It has to be conferred on you by what? By God who has called you. Let's do something quickly. Just give me a few minutes. First Corinthians chapter 3, verse 10. I just want to use Paul as an example, and then we can wrap up tonight. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 10. Paul says, According to the grace of God, remember I talked about ministry called by grace, which was given to me, not those words again, Paul always uses those words. Paul always uses those words. A minister must be conscious that the call of God is grace. So for instance, I can go to the mountain and fast for 70 days. When I come, I should also not be talking to you about my fasting. Is it a good thing to do? Absolutely. But I should also realize that there are many people who have fasted much more than me that still do not operate in the grace that has been bestowed on me. Everything in the ministry is the grace of God. It's a gift from God. Okay? According to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder. Note that word, wise master builder. I have laid the foundation and another builds on it look at this but let each one take heed how he builds on it so paul says that he's a wise a wise master builder now when paul says he's a wise master builder remember we talked about the word building builder edification who was he referring to go to verse 9 for we are god's fellow workers you are God's field. You are God's building. So Paul says this. If you look at this, there are three things said there. Number one, we are God's fellow workers. Who was he referring to? The fivefold ministry. He says the fivefold ministry, we are working together with God to build something. You are God's field. If you're God's field, what do we put in you? The seed of God's word. Then he now says, you are God's building. Then he refers to himself in verse 10, according to the grace of God which was given to me, as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation. So the 
body of Christ is a building that the fivefold ministers ought to build up. Not destroy, build up. Now, Paul's determination to preach nothing except Jesus crucified. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Remember, I told you about contextual interpretation of scriptures. We just read 1 Corinthians chapter 3, where it was describing the Corinthians church as a building. Now, let's go back up a bit and let's see what message he was preaching. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 now, verse 1 to 2. And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with the excellence of speech. It's not just motivational speaking. It was not oratory. Of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Christ, Jesus Christ, and him crucified. Now look at this. We might have time to go through this, but let's wrap up here because of time. Paul says, when I came to you, I didn't want to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And we're going to deal with this when I have to preach on this again. Paul says that God wants us to grow to the measure of the fullness of the stature of Christ. There is one message that the ministers of the gospel, the fivefold ministers have to preach to the body of Christ. At the end of everything you learn in church, it should be Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's it. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus is the crux of the message that God has given us for the building up of the body. So, when we come to church, we should learn more of Jesus Christ. What he has done for us, what he's doing in us, and what he will do through us. Are you following what I'm saying? So, we must spend more time learning this. And if we learn this, all other things will prove. So, Paul says, when I come, I don't want to know anything. Except Christ, Jesus Christ, and him crucified. That's just what I want to hear. So, that is the emphasis of the message. Praise the name of the Lord. So, the fivefold ministers are given to equip the saints. To declare to them the whole counsel of God. To build them in the message of Jesus and him crucified. So, we need to spend more time studying the crucifixion. What happened? The resurrection. What did he accomplish for us? And one of the disadvantages of not emphasizing this is this. Most of us read the scriptures with an Old Testament lens. So, we pray prayers that did not... Pass through the cross. Sometimes we still think of ourselves as Old Testament saints. And we go on to those scriptures and lay hold on them. And sometimes you must also understand that certain things have been fulfilled in Christ. For example, someone says, oh God, send your presence down. Send your presence down. And it says that reading the Psalms, where David was asking for the presence of the Lord. But if he reads that in the light of Jesus and him crucified, he will know that Jesus said to him, I would never leave you nor forsake you. He will know Jesus said to him, you're seated with me in the heavenly places. Are you following what I'm saying? So if the person will understand the message of Jesus and him crucified, he will no longer say, oh God, send down your presence. What will he say? Father, thank you for your presence. Amen. 
Jesus and him crucified will change everything about us. It will change our walk of righteousness. It will change the way we live for him. We will now know that we are God's building, that he lives in us, that we can no longer yield our members to unrighteousness. Praise the name of the Lord. Let's thank the Lord tonight. Father, we thank you. Oh, we bless your holy name. Let's just lift our hands and just thank him. Thank him for the mighty work accomplished for us on the cross of Calvary. Oh, thank you, Lord Jesus. Let's just thank him and just thank him. Oh, we thank you, Father. We bless your holy name, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Glory to your name forever. Oh, thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your mighty works. Thank you for your mighty works. Thank you for your mighty works. Oh, blessed be your name forever. Let's just thank him. Father, we thank you. We thank you for redemption. We thank you. We thank you. We give you praise, oh God. Blessed be your name forever, Jesus. Blessed be your name. Thank you for listening to Present Truth Broadcast with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. We would also like to hear from you. Send us an email, info at pastormax.ng or call 0805-888-7575. God bless you.